Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, where food bloggers come to get their fill of the latest tips, tricks, and insight into the world of food blogging. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll provide you with the tools you need to add value to your blog, and we'll also ensure you're taking care of yourself because food blogging is a demanding job. Now, please welcome your host, Megan Porta. Okay, food bloggers, have you heard of Flowdesk, the new big email marketing rage? This is an amazing new option for managing your email subscriber list. It is super easy to use and it comes with gorgeous, intuitive drag and drop templates. And Flowdesk does not charge based on number of subscribers, so your monthly rate will stay the same from month to month. Everyone pays $38 a month or use my affiliate link to get 50% off and pay only $19 a month. You guys, this is a fraction of the price of other email service providers, and you'll be blown away by the beautiful and intuitive templates waiting for you inside. Visit eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to grab your link. Flowdesk, the stunning new option for email marketing. What's up, food bloggers? Welcome to the Eat Blog Talk podcast made for you, food bloggers seeking value for your blogs and for your lives. In in today's episode, I will be talking to Sarah Nelson from realbalanced.com, and we will be discussing how to create a welcome sequence to nurture your audience of raving fans. Sarah Nelson is the food blogger behind realbalance.com, a site dedicated to sharing low-carb, keto, and nut-free recipes. Since 2017, Sarah has shared delicious, nutritious, and allergy-friendly recipes with her thousands of blog followers and social media followers. Sarah is also a blogging coach and teaches bloggers how to grow and scale their blogging businesses. Hey, Sarah, I'm excited to chat with you today about creating an email welcome series before we dive into this topic. And before I ask you for a fun fact, my fun fact about you is that you are the first repeat guest on my show. Am I? What an honor, Megan. That's amazing. Thank you for having me back again. Oh, of course. And it it means that you're extremely awesome and you have value. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, I appreciate it. So if you have another fun fact to share about yourself, we would love to hear it. Sure, sure. So in my first episode, I shared that I was pregnant because that was like the most relevant thing in my life at the time. I'm still (laughs) pregnant at this time, but I do have other things in my life. So I was thinking about it. I was like, what is a fun fact about me? And I guess that the only thing that like I do all the time that most people are like confused about is I'm obsessed with watching TV. Like, I feel like that's like a thing that people are like kind of like ashamed of. I like grew up being like too much TV time, but it is like truly the most happy I am every single day. It's all I look forward to. I just watch tons of TV shows. I'm not really into movies so much, but like I can watch The Office for like the 65th time and not feel bored. (laughs) Parks and Rec, New Girl. Like I just watch the same shows basically over and over again. But we do, me and my husband do like watch lots of new shows and stuff. But that's probably like the one thing that I feel like I should be afraid to tell people (laughs) that it is the truest thing about me. Embrace it, right? You can't be ashamed of things like that. It's all I look forward to. Some people are like, you know, I like working out or reading. It's probably all like things that are better for you. But I just finally have like just given into the fact that that is what I enjoy most is just like sitting and watching a few episodes of TV. And I work all day long, like probably everyone that's listening. Yeah. So it's like the one way that I can unwind and I'm, I refuse to feel bad. No, don't it. feel bad. And sometimes I think that that is self care. Like when you can just totally detach your thinking, like just 
totally just not focus anymore on work and disengage is what I was trying to say and just let yourself relax. So absolutely. Well, that's the thing is like, I'm like, if I feel like I have to read a book, it has to be like a business book or listen to a business podcast. And sometimes I'm just, I need a break. I just want to watch The Office for the 500th time and not think yes. and just let it happen. Well, I love it. I love that you're embracing that. That's a good lesson for all of us. <laughs> so now on to our main topic and the reason you're actually talking to me today, which is how to create a welcome sequence that will nurture your audience of raving fans. It is so good to have you back on the show. Like I said, it is becoming more and more evident that growing and nurturing our email lists is one of the most important aspects of food blogging that we can be focusing our attention on. Our email lists are 100% in our control, unlike our social media accounts, (laughs) obviously. So we want to take really good care of them. And I love the word nurture because it gives me the visual of just giving the people on my list everything they need in order to be efficient in the kitchen or whatever my intent is. I have made this confession many times in other episodes, but I am a neglectful owner of a pretty large subscriber list and I need your help, Sarah. My step one with making a change with this is creating a killer welcome sequence and I can't think of anyone better to get advice from. So tell me and my listeners why do we all need to create a solid welcome sequence? Yes, absolutely. This is like the way that we are going to start to really take care of our audience. And you're right. So often we refer to these sequences as a welcome sequence, but I do prefer the terminology of saying it's a nurture sequence because after, you know, some of these sequences can be six months long. Well, at the five month point, we're no longer welcoming them. We're just taking care of them. We're nurturing them. We're keeping them as a warm audience member, meaning that when they hear from us, they are excited to hear from us. They are excited to go to our blogs. They're excited to buy from us and all of those things. We want to make sure that when they're signing up from us, they are receiving value. They're not just being told like, hey, subscribe to my newsletter. You're going to get an email from me every so often. No, no, no. What we want to do is we want to be very strategic about how we are reaching these people, the people that are raving fans. Email lists are the best way to communicate with your audience ongoing. Like you just mentioned, Megan, we're not fighting an algorithm. We're getting into their inbox and people are checking their inboxes every single day. So we want to make sure if we're taking the time to get into their inbox that we are providing value we're providing resources and that when they're seeing our names in their inbox, they are such a raving fan that they're clicking and opening that email. And then they're also clicking through to hear from us, to go to our sites, which can mean more affiliate income. It can mean ad income. And it just means a more profitable blogging business for you. I love that you said we are taking the time to get into an inbox and a lot of work goes behind that. We need to think it out and we need to write a lot and put some effort into it. So we want to provide value. We don't just want to be garbage. So if we're putting the time in, give them something that they're going to take away and find valuable. And I have a handful of people that I receive emails from, and I'm sure I'm part of their sequences as well, that I actually love. I love seeing their names pop up in my inbox and I look forward to seeing them. Others not because they don't provide value to me, but the ones that really do, I'm like, yes, what are they going to offer me today? So I like looking at it from that perspective. And I think it's really important for us to all remember that there is a why, there's a reason why we want to be doing this. We're not just doing it because everyone else is doing it because it's a part of our to-do list there is an actual reason. 
And that's like amazing. If you think about it, like how great is it to be that person that you're excited to hear from? I always think of it like whether it be someone that's in my inbox or even I have like a few people that I follow like on Instagram where I like scroll through my stories to find their story so I can quick watch it before it expires Mm. that day. Like that is someone that really, really knows what content that they're giving out. And I can only assume that they're being strategic about it. They're not just posting things willy nilly all the time, especially when it comes to writing an email. It is time consuming to sit there and put together content. So if we're going to take the time to write this up, to get links, to put images in and all the things we want to make sure that that email is then being opened. What's the point of just sending out like another thing like, hey, this is what I posted on my blog this week. No, no, no. We want to be showing them that they have given us their email address, which is quite literally a form of currency when it comes to online marketing. They are basically allowing us in their home Mm, in a sense. So we have to make sure that when we're showing up, we are giving them what they need. We're providing a solution to their problems over and over again, because even when we feel like we might've solved their problem, what can we do to further elevate that and to ensure that when they see our names in their inbox, that they are excited to click that email to see what we're giving them because they know that when we do show up in their inbox, that we're there to provide value, to give them resources, to give them freebies or whatever it might be, rather than just, hey, this is my new post. We want to show them that we care about them and that we realize and understand that they are on our list for a reason and that we want to nurture them and keep them there. Form of currency. I love what you said. (laughs) That was awesome. And be that person that creates content people crave. We want to be the wanted people in the inbox. We don't want to be the unwanted people. And like you said, Sarah, we understand what you're going through. And solving one problem doesn't end everything. We need to keep solving problems and keep showing them that we understand their issues. So let's start from the beginning because I need some pretty major handholding in this area. What are some first steps I need to take to get a welcome sequence up and running? Okay, so let's just move backwards just one step just to make sure that we everyone understands how we're even going to get them into a welcome sequence. And the main way we're going to do that is just providing some sort of free freebie lead magnet, whatever you want to call it. Megan and I talked about this in our first episode. So if you don't really know about lead magnets, make sure you go back and listen to that because that's really going to set you up to make sure that people that are getting on your list know what to expect from you, know what kind of content that you're going to be providing rather than just saying, hey, subscribe to my newsletter. This is going to really set you up to be strategic in the content that you're going to be providing ongoing. And always remember that this was what the lead magnet that they signed up for. So if they're signing up for a recipe ebook, we want to make sure that we're providing similar recipes, at least in the beginning stages. So for example, I'll just take my blog and my main free content that I'm giving out to my subscribers is a keto dessert recipe ebook. So in the first few emails that people are receiving from me when they opt in for this are more keto dessert recipes, because I know that they are definitely interested in that type of content. And I want to keep providing that to them so that they can know that this is the type of stuff that they're going to find on my site, the knowledge that I have, the expertise that I have, which is going to then further nurture them to keep them on my list so that when I'm ready to sell or do whatever I might want to do down the road, that they're again, excited to hear from me still. So when we're building out this welcome sequence, like I said, we want to really stay on topic, especially in the beginning with continuing to provide content that is very relevant for the lead magnet that they signed up for, and then kind of move them through. Think of it as a conversation. When you're reaching out to give someone a handshake, you don't immediately just start talking to them 
about something that they would never know about you. You know, even mm, if yeah. you meet someone for the first time and you guys really click and you know that you're going to be friends, there's still so much learning that needs to be done about each other. So show them who you are. Show them who your brand is. Show them that you appreciate them. What I'd like to do is in my first email that I'm reaching out to them with is after I provide and deliver my free lead magnet, I'm then emailing them and saying, this is all of my best content. This is what you can expect from me. This is how you can reach me on other social channels. So I'm telling them about how to follow me on Instagram and my Facebook groups and things like that. And then I'm making sure that they know that I'm going to be a valuable resource to them. And I give them another free lead magnet. And I do hesitate in saying that because I feel like when people hear like, oh my gosh, I need to make a new thing or another ebook Mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. This is down the road. I didn't do that initially, but I do now realize the importance of like really, really caring about these people and showing them from outright how much I care about them. So I do it immediately provide them two free recipe ebooks that are just things that we have kind of just sitting on our end in our Google Drive. So we just throw the link in there, give them both the ebooks. And so they know outright from the beginning, like, wow, I know that Sarah is going to give me exactly what I want and even more so, so that when they're getting another email from me tomorrow, which is usually what I do is we'll email them very quickly throughout the welcome sequence in the beginning that they know and are excited to hear from me again, which is why when we look at the statistics for welcome sequences, and this isn't just mine, this is across the board for a wide range of industries, that those first few emails, and especially the first email, the open rates and click-through rates are through the roof. So even if you have a large list, that first email in your welcome sequence for a lot of people is between like 50 and 60%, which is massive. Exactly. It can be three times, four times the amount of what your open rate is for your other emails. And my click through rate for my first two emails, I just looked at this recently, is like three times Mm -hmm. what the average click through rate is of my other emails. So in those first two emails, we're giving lots of links to say, hey, these are my best recipes. I'm known for fat bomb recipes. So here's more fat bomb recipes. I have a lot of nut free recipes. Here's a link to all my nut free recipes. And we're just saying that to them so that they can quickly find things not like, hey, on realbalance.com, you're going to find nut free fat bomb recipes. And this, and that and this and that. No, no, no. We're taking out all the steps for them to make sure that they can easily find whatever they're looking for and that they will click through, which is only going to help your statistics, which is only going to help you, you know, not get into the spam folder, not get into the promotions tab and all of those things, which is just going to set you up down the road to ensure that your deliverability is still going to maintain a high level. So let's talk about the freebies because you mentioned having an ebook ready and not everybody is going to have an ebook ready or have the time to create an ebook if they want to get a sequence going. So what are some other ideas for free options that you can use as a lead magnet? That's a great question. Yeah. So you can do lots of things. And I feel like, and I don't mean to sound harsh when I say this, but people overcomplicate this so much. When we think of like free content, they're like, it has to be exclusive. It has to be only for my subscribers. And it's just not the case. Take what you already have. Do not reinvent the wheel and just put it into a PDF. It can be two recipes. It can be five recipes. My most popular ebook is five recipes that we literally copied and pasted from a blog post, took an image from that blog post and inserted it into a PDF, and that's it. If you don't even think that you can handle that, which is fine, because it can be time consuming, especially if you're not great with using Canva or one of the Adobe products, you can just do like a one-page cheat sheet. Take a blog post that's doing really, really well, that you have a lot of relevant content around, copy and paste it, 
put it into a one-page PDF, and there you go. We have tons of cheat sheets on my site that take us all of 30 minutes to put together, and we get a ton of subscribers from those. And we make sure that if it's a cheat sheet, because I am a blogging coach and I have a lot of blogging for business-related topics, that we're going to lead those people and tag them accordingly and segment my list. And I don't want to get into the weeds with that, but it can be a cheat sheet. It can be a two, three page ebook. We really, really don't need to reinvent the wheel so much as we think we do. We don't need to give exclusive content. They just appreciate the fact that they're going to be able to download something that doesn't have ads. It doesn't have a huge blog post with it. They can click print. Boom. That's it. They appreciate it. And I guarantee that they will sign up and they will stay. I like that you said don't reinvent the wheel because I think when we think of giving freebies to people, we all think, oh my gosh, I have to create this new amazing thing that doesn't exist anywhere else on my blog or elsewhere. When really we've got all of this incredible content hiding within our blog. So recycle it. And I'll go even further and I'll go even further to say that we have paid content, paid digital products from my site, things that are already on my site that are available for free. And we put it into a nice looking ebook and then we sell that. So, I mean, free or paid, no matter what, people like the convenience of being able to just print something off. I like to liken it. If people are listening to this podcast, they probably listen to other podcasts. It's like subscribing to someone's Patreon. Mm. I subscribe to tons of Patreons just so I don't have to listen to ads. I don't get any extra content. I just get to skip the ads and it just makes things easier. And I'm supporting a small business. So I spend $5 a month for 10 different Patreons. And all I'm doing is just eliminating a few minutes of my time. So I'm not having to skip through ads. That's all you're doing when you're making these freebies or even if it's a paid product, like you're just lessening the work that people have to do. And all they have to click is print. And then they have these recipes. So like you said, we have all this amazing content that's just sitting there copy and paste it, put it into Canva, put it into Adobe Illustrator, Photoshop, whatever is easiest for you. You'll have a lead magnet up and running in just a few hours. Canva is free. I mean, there are paid options inside of it, but it is free and you can create something really quickly in there. Even if you're not really adept at like all of those graphic programs, but it's really easy to use. It's intuitive. You've got access to free clip art and Like you said, Sarah, you can put a quick sheet together. It doesn't have to be an entire book. And just consider all of the stuff that is already sitting in front of you inside of your blog walls and look through there. What is your best stuff? And recycle that. I love what you said. I have to repeat this. Consider it a friendship and treat it like you're getting to know somebody for the first time. There's so much about you that you want to share. So do it bit by bit and really consider those first few visits, those first few opens really important because those are the ones that they're opening. Your 60% rate, that was absolutely crazy. I did not know that. But that's good to know to really take advantage of that time in the beginning when they're really interested in you and getting to know you and intrigued. And who is this? Why is she sending me emails? Let's get to know her better. So I like that. So after freebie, after you create a freebie and you're getting that out to your new subscribers, where do we go from there? That is a great question. So what we want to do is like you were just saying, so this is the time that people are really, really excited to hear from us and they're opening our emails way more often or way more likely than they are to be down the road. So I feel like people are so afraid at the idea of selling from the beginning. And when I say selling, you know, we are bloggers. So a lot of us don't have actual like digital content or anything that we would want to be selling unless of course you do have like a recipe ebook or whatever it might be. But you're probably an affiliate for a company. So we want to be doing is within that first week, we want to be pitching them on something that would 
give us compensation, something that would at least give us a commission of sorts. So we're wanting to do like the first two or three emails to really, really provide value resource, show them our best content. If you have an extra lead magnet that's sitting around another recipe ebook, whatever it might be, whatever will fit your audience that you think is the best option, give those away in the first few emails, but then sell to them in those following emails. We sell to my subscribers within the first week and we push them through a sequence so that they get the first few emails and then they're given an option to get a discount on one of my most popular recipe ebooks. So we don't wait to do this because like I said, this is the time that people are opening your emails. They haven't been sitting around for a year seeing Sarah from Real Balanced in their inbox. They're still really, really excited to hear from me. And again, I want everyone to put themselves in a position of like a lot of us use Instagram often. So like when you're first following someone, you're seeing their content a lot. That's kind of the way that Instagram algorithm works. And usually you're really excited to see their posts show up in your feed. Think of it that way. This is the exact same thing for your subscribers when they're seeing your name in their inbox. So long as you've consistently given them resources from the get-go and you've provided value from the moment that they first subscribed, don't be afraid to sell to them. This is the time that they're going to be most interested. And again, if you don't have a digital product or maybe you don't have a cookbook or whatever it might be, depending on what your niche is, don't be afraid to, you know, think of the affiliate that you enjoy working mostly with or the product that you love and are constantly using in your recipes. For me, I use a keto friendly sweetener constantly in my recipes. And when they're opting in for keto dessert recipes, I know that they're going to need this keto friendly sweetener. So that's what I'm going to pitch them. I'm going to say, I have this discount code for this brand this is the time that you can get this discount. And I'm going to immediately send that to them because I've already said, Hey, here's all these great recipes. This is a product you're going to need to create these recipes successfully. And people buy people open that email. And that is my highest rate of commissions is in that first week for that brand is through that welcome sequence. Wow. That that's really interesting. So I guess I didn't even consider this selling right away and that's interesting that people do buy within the first week and they see you endorsing things that you love and they want to be a part of it too. I think that's a really important part of this. And can you give us other ideas? So you mentioned affiliate links. And if you have a certain product that you love, if you're a part of the Amazon Affiliates program, you can always incorporate those links into it, I'm assuming. What are some other options aside from that and ebooks or digital products? Is there anything else? Oh, it could probably be, you know, a variety of things. I think that the best way to do it, though, is to really focus on digital related content. And if you don't have something already, that's another thing that trips people up is they're like, I don't have anything to sell. I don't have any plans to sell anything. What am I going to do? Affiliate commissions and affiliate income can be a massive, massive part of your income. And it is the second highest way that I make money after ads is because we are very organic and natural in the way that we are promoting these brands, promoting these affiliate sales, is because it's something that you need to create my recipes. So it feels very natural. It's not like I'm being salesy and all of a sudden, you know, I'm a keto recipe blogger and then suddenly I'm like, you need to buy overnight oats. Like it wouldn't make any sense to do that. But this brand is offering a discount to my readers for the exact recipes that they've signed up to get to. So don't let affiliate related stuff fall to the wayside. If you don't have something already that you're not able to sell, use whatever brand or whatever product that you might like. Try to see if you can talk to this company if you're not already an affiliate for them. Get on their affiliate system and then maybe try to get a discount code. And even if you can't get like a direct discount code, just whatever link that might be, 
And if you can actually get 20% off code exclusively for your readers, they will love that and they will appreciate that. I promise. Do not be afraid to sell. We are so afraid, especially mm, as bloggers. So true. I think because we're like, we are going to get traffic and that's going to make us money. Don't be mm-hmm. afraid to sell. You are an online business first and foremost. You need to make money and you shouldn't feel scammy about it. We're sold to all day long. Scroll through your Instagram constantly. And I don't think that we're sitting at home getting mad about these things when we see sponsored content or ad for a certain product. Not at all. We like things and this is a consumer market. So just look at it from that way. And as so long as you're not being slimy and you'll know (laughs) if you are, if you're promoting a product that doesn't feel natural for you, don't promote that product. But like I said, think what product are you constantly using, whatever your niche might be, or if it's, you know, maybe you're a Whole30 blogger. Maybe it's putting a link to, you know, if it's Barnes & Noble or something to a Whole30 cookbook or whatever it might be, or just the main book, something like that. I will say, though, Megan, what you were mentioning about putting Amazon links in your emails don't do that. <laughs> I should, I will start there. That will get you kicked out of the Amazon Associates okay. program if they find out about that. And I see so many people do that. And the only time I ever really like respond to like big bloggers, like emails or something is if they don't know. And I see that they have like Amazon links in their emails. I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry to like reach out, but I just wanted to tell you that that's against their terms of service and they will keep so- out. The only place that you can have Amazon links is on okay. your site, unless, of course, you're an Amazon influencer and then you can put your that's shop link. Really great. Again, that's really great. No, that's really great to know. And I don't think I've ever put links within my emails, but now I know. So thank you. <laughs> and so many people do. It's about, and in ebooks. Don't put it in your ebooks. It can only be on your website. Okay. Like there are like a few people that have been with Amazon Associates for like years that have some sort of agreement with them. So I did talk to one blogger and they were like, no, 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 we have permission. But that's not a thing that they give out anymore. And I don't fully even understand how they got permission. But I just like to let everyone know that because sometimes people will put it into their ebooks. They'll copy and paste a blog post and then it has those ingredients in there that are all linked. Make sure you remove those. And if you include an affiliate link in your ebook, in your lead magnet or paid ebook or whatever it might be for a brand that allows you to do that, just make sure that you Mm. disclose that, put an asterisk and just say it's an affiliate link. So really, I mean, this is all back to sincerity as everything comes back to sincerity, I feel like in blogging, just finding a product that you stand behind, that you love and reach out and become an affiliate and promote that product in an authentic way as much as you can to your sequence and that's really the first step. If somebody does not have a digital product themselves, that's a really great place to start. Yeah. And we do it because I only work with like a few brands exclusively as an affiliate. I try to be really like specific about that and not get too far out and wanting to work with too many people because in reality, you don't make more commissions when you do that. I'm very focused. So we will throughout the sequence, we have the one brand I was just referring to. And then, you know, about two weeks later, we're referring to another brand. And again, it's very on brand. I'm a keto blogger. So these are keto supplements. These are things that are in my kitchen right now. So I can talk about them because I know them and I know the company and I, it really is just a very seamless discussion. It's as if you were talking to a friend and they were like, Hey, you know, I just started keto or if we're going to do whole 30 again, I just started whole 30. What are the things that I like need to know? What are the things I need to buy? And people want to know that stuff. It's kind of like when we're looking up, I don't know, holiday gift guides. It's things that we don't know what to buy for such and such person. And we just need a little inspiration and that's okay no one feels like they're being sold to so long as they can see that, like you were saying, it's sincere, it's authentic, and you are retaining your integrity. Just be natural with it. And the commissions will come because 
No one feels like you're being slimy or you're being salesy. They want that product because they know that it's going to help them. Again, we're trying to solve a problem and this problem might be the one that's forefront right now. And then we'll solve it because we're able to give them a discount for this one product. And then two weeks later, Hey, this product has also been really great for me. It's made my transition into getting into ketosis so much better or what have you, whatever is Mm. your niche and sell them that way. I I even hesitate to say sell to them because I feel like, again, bloggers are so afraid to do this. We just automatically are like, no, no, no. All of that matters is getting traffic to my site. All that matters is page views. And it's just not the case. We need to think about diversifying over and over and over again. We cannot just be fully inundated with the mindset that all we need to do is get traffic because God forbid if one of these ad agencies went down or during the summer slump when our ad income across the board usually just goes down, we don't want to be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? We want to be able to be like, oh, I work with this affiliate. I have a really engaged email list. Let me just promote this one sale and that'll offset my lessened ad income this month or whatever it might be. And I don't think we should see it necessarily as like selling, like you said, Sarah, And look at it as adding value to people because, yeah, you could be selling something, but you're also adding value to people's lives and you're solving a problem that they are having. So by mentioning this amazing product that you use in your emails, that's actually helpful because people want to know how you achieve the amazing recipes that you achieve. And this is helping them get that information. Yeah, that's a great point. I probably should change the way that I phrase that. For me, like I'm like, all about online marketing. I love the idea of selling to people. I love the idea of being sold to, but I know that's that's much like a, a mindset shift. I wasn't always like that. So whatever makes you feel more comfortable to like understand that we are, like you said, providing value and people appreciate that, then yeah, maybe it's not selling. Maybe it's just, hey, this is what I've been using and I feel so honored to be able to share a discount code with you. Please feel free to use this. It's an affiliate link. I do receive a commission and I really hope you enjoy it. And no one, I promise, no one is going to be upset with you that you're doing that. Everyone understands that they're benefiting from the fact that you're giving them a discount and everyone wins when it comes to affiliate commissions. The brand wins, you win, and the person that's purchasing wins. Absolutely. And just being sincere, honestly, like if you're outright and you tell people, here's what I'm doing, I am an affiliate and you're just honest about it, they're going to appreciate that. If you're slimy about it and you're trying to do it in a sneaky way, then of course they're not going to, they're going to be turned off by that. So just being sincere. Now I have a question about kind of the topics to cover in a welcome sequence because I'm not in a niche. I blog about all different kinds of food. I have a couple different types of food that I like more than others. But when I'm welcoming somebody, I really don't know where to start. My first maybe top five to seven most popular posts on my blog are comfort foods. But I have a lot of other varieties as well. I like to do salads. I love cookies. I love baking. I love easy dinners. So where do I put my focus when I'm reaching out to someone for the first time? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And honestly, it might be a trial and error situation where you're just going to see what is going to work best. And the nice thing is about these email service providers is that often they will provide statistics and analytics on what is being clicked through the most. So let's just say that you did your first welcome sequence email and it is your top five most popular recipes, and they do all happen to be comfort foods. Well, maybe down the road, you're like, oh, I want to do something more seasonal. Maybe you'll just update that 
to change that to being pumpkin recipes for the fall or summer salads once we get into the summer months again, things like that. I would just say that you don't need to like overthink it so much that we're hesitating to even Mm -hmm. do it. Just try something out. Maybe like keep it seasonal. Maybe that every so often, every quarter you're going back in and updating that section about what your best content is. Or you can just, what we do in my first email is we just do the categories, my most popular categories. So we have a lot of people that are there because they also have a nut allergy like me. So we'll do the category of nut-free keto recipes. And that's a link to all my nut-free keto recipes. We also have a lot of people that come along that are vegan keto. So I'm going to give them that category. So you might not even need to necessarily give them links to those best recipes. It could be to your most popular content and it can be a wide variety of things. You could do, these are your best resource posts. So for me, we have keto resources on my site. We link to that so that people can easily find that because a lot of people think of it when they're coming to your site, they might be brand new to a certain way of eating. They might be brand new to you. Show them who you are and kind of walk them through. We want to handhold them. Just take a step back and maybe think of it as if they didn't know you or think of it as if you were being welcomed into someone else's sequence that you don't know anything about their blog. What would help you to kind of get to know them as a person? And you could be more personalized with this. You know, again, just try it out. If you're not so interested in just immediately getting traffic or showing them your best recipes, you might want to tell them your story. Very early on in my sequence, we do tell the story of when I was diagnosed with nut allergies while I was a blogger. I was constantly using almond flour in all my recipes. And then all of a sudden I have a life-threatening almond allergy. So we're telling that story and people respond constantly. I always get responses to that specific email because people are saying that happened to me, that happened to my child, that happened to my relative, whatever it might be, because I'm welcoming them in and saying, Hey, this is who I am. I'm not just a person that's in your inbox. I'm a human. My name is Sarah Nelson. I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This is who I am as a person. That's the beauty of blogging. We have kind of moved away from that in everything is SEO focused. It's so user focused. It's less about the story. Once you're in their inbox, play around with that. Be a person. Give them value, of course. I'll never say that you should stop doing that. Don't only be a storyteller, but make the story as part of your business. You are doing the blog that you're doing, especially as food bloggers. Food is so comforting. It's so personable. Share why you started your blog, why you make the recipes that you make. Maybe you don't do a health food blog. Maybe it is just comfort food or recreating the recipes that you grew up on or whatever it might be. Explain how you got to the point that you're at. People find that very interesting. We are in such an interesting business as bloggers. Tell them how you got here and why you're passionate and share who you are so that when they think of Megan, when they think of Sarah, they kind of have an idea of who we are behind the screen. And that kind of like just creates a connection. It can create a dialogue. They're more likely to respond to you. They're more likely to care about you as a person. I have befriended a lot of people that are on my list and on my social media channels purely because they feel like they know Mm. me. They're constantly responding to me because it is an open relationship. This isn't getting an email from old Navy. (laughs) Right. You know, I'm, I'm a person. It says Sarah at real balance. They know that it's me. And if they respond, it's going to go into my inbox. So you're just creating an open dialogue. So yeah, put your best content there. Maybe down the road, you'll just put your best categories there. It can really be a play around thing. And honestly, see what everyone else is doing. Go and find some other bloggers that you really, really look up to and aspire to. 
sign up for their list, see what they're doing and try to get strategies that way. Sometimes it just takes kind of getting some inspiration from people that we look up to, to kind of get an idea of how we want to format emails and blog posts and things of that nature. I love that recommendation. And I do that all the time. When I first started blogging, anytime I'm venturing into something new, I always look at the people that I respect the most in the field and I see what they're doing. And then I kind of think on it and I transform it into Megan and make it my thing. So I love that you just said that. Yeah. And we should not be ashamed yeah. of doing that. I tell people all the time when they're like, Hey, what do I do here? I'm like, Oh, just look at mine. Yeah. Just, you can take a look at mine and that should give you an idea right. of what maybe Go what from there. Do. Yeah. I, I love that. Like I'm super appreciative of the people that like want to come to me for advice on things like that. And I always just say, Hey, I've already done it. You can just look at mine or like, Hey, how do I form in a blog post? I'm like, just look at my blog yeah. post. That'll give you an idea. Absolutely. I love that you're open to that too. And as long as you're not copying word for word or exactly, then right. I think why not? That's why we're here. We're here to help each other out. But I loved what you said, Sarah, about just making your story personal and starting with telling your story. There is a name attached to all of our blogs. We are not Old Navy. We are Megan and Sarah. So we each have stories to tell. So why did you start your blog? Why are you here? Why do you want people to come to you? And then kind of branch out from there, I think, and see how people respond. So for taking my blog as an example, I could just tell my basic background here's what my top five posts are. Here are some other categories on my site that I think you would find helpful. Here are some other resources, you know, and like not making it too long and we'll get into that, but kind of going from there. And then, like you said, just trial and error, testing it out. And then down the road, you can actually segment your lists, correct? Like tagging people that click on certain categories Absolutely. Yep. And that's definitely something that I would love to talk further about. And I love the whole idea of segmenting because targeted emails do even better in terms of deliverability and open rates and things of that nature. Because if you do decide to down the road, do something different in your business, for example, with me, majority of my audience are people that are interested in keto recipes, but I also have a segment of my audience that is interested in profitable blogging. So we email those people and you can imagine that we're not emailing those yeah. two groups of people the same content. And so we have different welcome sequences for those people because we do segment our lists. And again, like that isn't something that people need to worry about from the get-go. You want to just start with one welcome sequence. And like we were saying, do the story, share who you are, share what your blog is. That's a great way to start your, you know, your most popular content or the content that you're most proud mm -hmm. of, that you want to turn it into your most popular content. Or just always think when you're typing out an email, what is their pain point and how can I solve it? So if you have a lead magnet that is about meals for busy moms after busy work days, whatever it might be. Say, try these 30 minute meals. These are all things that you can whip together. Here's five freezer meal recipes, something like that. Just think about what the issues that you were having before you started your blog and why you started it. And then give those people, that's going to be your raving fans. Because when you think about it, you might have people that sign up that you're like, oh, I don't know if they necessarily want exactly what I want to give, or maybe I'm not giving exactly what I want to do down the road. Who is your ideal customer avatar? Talk to that person. Talk to that one person. Make that one friend. Name her. I have an ICA. That's what it's called. Ideal customer avatar. Yes. ICA. She has a name. I know how old she is. I know how many kids she has. Is she real? Absolutely not. <laughs> but I talk to her. I think of her every single time I'm writing an email. And these massive companies, if we want to continue with Old Navy, they're doing the same thing. They have ICAs. They have 
ideas in their mm-hmm. head of what their customer is and how they're going to sell to them. So instead of being like, I'm trying to talk to a thousand people, 10,000 people, talk to Linda. Yeah. Talk to the one person, that 40 year old mom who's super stressed. She has three kids. She doesn't want to come home and make these crazy meals with crazy ingredients. Talk to her. Give her that 30 minute meal recipe welcome sequence email that has five recipes in it that are already on your site. Give her some links. Make it quick. That's it. There's an email to add your welcome sequence. I am telling you, and I know you hear me on this, but I'm telling you food bloggers that creating an avatar, like a really specific avatar like Sarah was talking about, is game changing. I mean, the day I created my avatar, I literally just created a whole new mindset for my blog and everything that I do for it. I will be in the kitchen and I will think of her and I have a specific one too. And I will say, does she need this information? Yeah, she probably does. All right, fine. I'm going to go shoot this picture. You know, like when you have someone really specific and you know her needs, you know exactly what she wants, exactly what her struggles are, like you were saying, then you know how to help her. And the same goes for the email sequence. And that is going to help me. And I guess I didn't really think about carrying her over into my welcome sequence. But now that you chatted about it, Sarah, I totally am. And that helps me so much. Yeah, it really feels like a stress that kind of just falls away, doesn't it? Because as your list grows, you're like, oh my gosh, I have someone that is from the UK on my list. I have someone from Australia. I have someone from Wisconsin, all over the world. And they're male, female, young, old. How do I talk to all these people? Take it all away and just talk to that one person. And if the person that is the male from Australia unsubscribes, that wasn't your <laughs> yeah, ideal customer right. avatar anyways, you know, and they might come back later. And honestly, my Linda, my ICA, there's a lot of Lindas out there. They might not be exactly her, but they're very similar. Yeah. And as long as I'm speaking to Linda, that's going to really make my whole message very clear, very fluid. And people are going to, again, know what to expect from me in my emails, on my social media channels, on my blog. It makes things so much easier. Your messaging is so much more clear. And you're not going to constantly be like, how do I appease 50 different types of people? Just talk to the one. Don't talk to the masses. Yeah, I absolutely love that. So you mentioned briefly, we talked about segmenting. And is this down the road, like after a welcome sequence, or can you segment within a welcome sequence? How does that work? So I would probably not necessarily segment within a welcome sequence. You can. And I guess the terminology is, I'm so familiar with ConvertKit. So they have segments that are basically like they would be creating two different lists. If you're someone that's like on MailChimp, it would be like an entirely different list. So what you can do is you can filter. And we do filter and exclude people from certain emails within the welcome sequence based on if they've done a custom unsubscription from like a footer. If they don't want to have affiliate sales sent to them, then they wouldn't get the email about the keto sweetener. Or if they don't want keto resources, they might get excluded from certain emails. But again, I don't think it's necessarily something that needs to be top of mind, but it can be done down the road. And the reason that we do it is because we want to make sure that the content we are providing is something that that person wants. And if they're outright saying, I am not interested in this, we want to make sure that we're not sending them that email. So you absolutely can segment or filter within a welcome sequence, just so long as you have some items in place that you're able to, for example, if you're using something like ConvertKit or another system that allows tagging, that you can exclude them from that individual email within your welcome sequence. Okay. So that makes more sense. You can 
tag, kind of decide what people are liking and what they're not liking, but maybe save the more extensive filtering for later. Yeah. And it also, I would suggest segmenting based on if you have multiple lead magnets on your site, that can be how you segment your list from the get go. And for example, like I was saying before, is that we have blogging for business eBooks and then keto recipe eBooks. And they are segmented from the beginning, from the moment that they subscribe to my list, they are automatically pushed into two different welcome sequences. So those actual Mm. welcome sequences are totally separate. Again, not necessary, but if you are wanting to build and scale out your business and do different things, you can make sure that you're only emailing certain people with the content that they've outright said, hey, I'm interested or hey, I'm not interested. Right. And especially like your two lists, they're totally different. There's really no overlap. So yeah, that makes sense. So I feel like I need you to give me some restrictions because I'm a food blogger and food bloggers like talking and writing about food. If I start a sequence on the topic of let's say comfort food, I may not ever stop. So how long should a welcome sequence be ideally? And let's talk about how long each email should be and also how many emails in the sequence. Great question. So it should not be any shorter than about five emails. I would say five to seven. And you can send those over the course of probably like 10 days or maybe even close to two weeks. You know, the first few emails should be daily and then you can kind of spread them out. But honestly, your welcome sequence can turn into being as long as you want. Again, I should probably stop saying welcome sequence because it really is a nurture sequence. I'm no longer welcoming people at the six month point, but we do add emails into the sequence at six months. And that might be an email that is just five easy to make comfort recipes. And it's just five links, five images that they can click through. And it's as simple as that. So some of our emails, especially in the beginning, They are more storytelling. They are a little bit longer. We have maybe more links, more explanation, more introduction. And then down the road, it's just value. We are just giving them five chicken casserole recipes, three Whole30 keto recipes. And that's all it is. And that's part of the welcome sequence. Because again, all we're doing is just popping in every so often outside of our normal weekly content that we're always sending them. Reminder, you're always sending them a weekly email. This is in addition Mm -hmm. to that. So we should be popping into their email at least twice a week at minimum. And don't be afraid to do that. Again, we have raving fans out there. There are people that are dying to hear from you, dying to have their problem solved by you. So send them your weekly content. And then in this welcome sequence, keep it really simple. We're adding on to ours all the time. If we have a really great resource post, something that's like how to solve the keto flu, something that we got a ton of traffic on, we can tell very quickly that people are very, very interested in. We're going to take that and we're just going to immediately put it into the welcome sequence. So it's automated. Mm, Yeah. It's not something we have to worry about sending like down the road and then we're having to filter like, oh, these people already got that email. It's going to be so confusing. Throw it in your welcome sequence and automate it down the road. Someone's going to get that email again, and you're going to be providing them a resource. Again, we want to be thinking of it as just nurturing them and caring for them. If we know we have really, really great content or we have a post that we know is so good, maybe it doesn't have the traffic behind it, but you love it and you're proud of it, throw it in your welcome sequence. Put it in there. And you can even put the whole recipe in there if you want. We have some of that because I do that on Instagram. I give away full recipes in my Instagram because it really doesn't affect my traffic. And I do the same in my emails every so often. We'll quite literally copy and paste an entire recipe and put it into the email. It doesn't affect my traffic and people love it. They can print that email right then and there. They respond and say, wow, thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to make this. Things like that. You're taking a step out. I wouldn't always suggest doing that because, of course, as bloggers, we need to get traffic to our sites. But 
it is providing value. They know that they're on my list and they're going to be getting something from me. And that's why they stick around. I love that idea to occasionally just give something like a recipe to somebody when they're maybe not expecting it. Like, oh, she plopped a recipe in here. That's not something that we normally do. But once in a while, that might be a little gem for people to find. Right. And I wouldn't do it with brand new content, yeah, the recipe sure. that you're releasing this week. Put that into a broadcast email, a separate one that you're manually sending out to your subscribers. But in that nurture sequence, yeah, down the road, if you have a recipe that you really love and you want to share it and you want to show people how good the content you make is, how the good the recipes are, how well they're written, put it right into an email. I guarantee it's not going to affect your traffic and people are going to appreciate yeah, absolutely. it. So, okay. To begin, five to seven emails in approximately 10 days. Yeah, I would say. So you can make that as long as two okay. weeks if you really wanted to. But in that five to seven emails, we want to make sure that we're selling in some sort. So we're doing an affiliate sale of some sort or you're selling your own digital product. Make sure you're pitching in some form because I guarantee that the moment you set this up, set it up today and three months down the road, I want you to look at your stats and I want you to compare your welcome sequence, open rate and click-through rate to your average open rate and click-through rate. And you will see, I guarantee it's at least two times mm -hmm. higher. So we want to make sure that we are selling in that first 10 to 14 days because they're really, really excited to hear from us. And if you don't believe me, I want you all to go on Google and I want you to just quick search this. When should I sell in my welcome sequence? I'm not the only person that's saying this. It does work. And I've seen it firsthand how well we do with pitching sales in the early stages and how often these emails are being opened. And they might not buy right away. You know, there's that statistic that says that people need to hear about something, I don't know, seven times before they buy. But they're aware. Right. They're more brand aware. They're more product aware. They're more solution aware because we've mentioned it so that if I bring it up again and I do a relaunch of something two months from now, they've already heard about it and then they might buy down the road. But we at least know if we can look at those statistics of that open rate that they're looking at it. So and then within that 10 days, you can be then adding things on so that maybe a week from then they're getting another nurture sequence email 12 days after that five days after that, you can kind of play around with it. I mean, ours is over six months long. And like I said, it's not so much welcoming at the six month mm. point. It's just continuing to give more content, more resources and show them like, hey, we're so happy you're here. So that when I do send an email like, hey, I have a new salmon curry recipe, they're clicking through because we're not giving the recipe away in that post. They're going to click the button and they're going to look through and they're going to go to the site. They're going to give me traffic because they know that the content I've given them thus far has been worth it for them, worth their time, worth that open of that email in their inbox. So really, I see the first five to seven emails as kind of establishing trust with people, not only getting to know you, but getting them to trust you and see that you're worthwhile and that your content is valuable. Absolutely. We want to show them that we're yeah, experts. Yeah. It's just like what we do on our website. We want to show them that we know what we're talking about. You had a problem and you've solved your problem. What you have in some way. And if you don't know it offhand, I want you to sit down and think about it. Because you've taken the time to set up a website. You've taken the time to set up an email list. There has been some problem that has encouraged you to bring this passion of bringing a food blog to life. What problem were you having that you weren't able to find that information online already? and you solved it, there is someone else. Who is your ICA and what problem are you solving for them? Yeah, I love that. Okay, so five to seven emails, 10 to 14 days. Your sequence, Sarah, goes, you said a little bit longer than six months. Is that kind of what you recommend, a six-month span? 
I don't think that that's necessary necessary to start. Yeah. And I always hesitate to say that too, because everyone's just like, oh my gosh, I don't even have time to get a blog post up this week. I have people that are working for me that are writing these emails that are helping me out. We've worked on this for a really, really long time. And we've kind of like stopped adding to it so much because we have other sequences that we're working on. But yeah, I think that you can, as like I said, if you have a post that just goes viral and it's really great and you know, people are going to love it and it's going to solve that problem for your ICA copy and paste it from a broadcast email or from a blog post, whatever it might be, put it into your nurture Mm -hmm. sequence and there, you just added to it. You're going to continually be in their inbox at least twice a week because I think that that's a sweet spot, especially if you're just getting started with email marketing. I mean, we're getting in people's inboxes three to four times a week. We email a lot just because it is my main focus, my main strategy within my business. But we want to do try to reach that two times a week threshold. And if they finish the welcome sequence, they might only be hearing from you one time a week forever. So if you can continue, just maybe add an email, two emails a month, to it as you're thinking about it, as you're like, oh, I really want to share this or make sure that people get a hold of it at some point throughout their experience in this welcome sequence, just add to it. Really, it does not need to be long in the beginning, but just always come back and revisit it. If you can also do what we've done and really focus on email marketing, this will become very easy and organic for you, just a part of your normal workday, looking through things, figuring out what people want, figuring out what people don't want, what they like and don't like. And then you can just add to it down the road so that, like I said, you're not having to like actually think about, ah, I should send this email out this week. It's just in your sequence and it's just going to be completely automated, which as we all know, as bloggers, we have quadrillion things to do at every moment in time, automate it. And the great thing about this is that you can so easily go in and change things like you were mentioning, Sarah. I mean, if you think of something that pops up as you're going through it, just quickly go in and change it and it automatically will update that and send your update out. So it's not like you have to recreate your whole series. You can just add and take away as needed as you go. Yep. And we do that all the time. And so, for example, like I was saying early on in our call that I have a recipe ebook of recipes that are already on my site. And then we put those into a paid ebook. Well, we had some of those recipes in my nurture sequence. And I was like, I don't want to give them away on my site, in my emails and in a paid ebook. So we just took those emails out and we just drafted them and they just don't get sent out anymore. Yeah, that is great stuff. Okay, so we kind of established a time frame to start with. So, you know, you could start with a three month plan and go from there if you wanted to extend it to six months or longer. But where do we go after that? Once we have a welcome sequence in place, what would be a good next step? Do we create kind of like branches off of the sequence or do we just keep going? I mean, what do we do from there? Yeah, I think that this could go in many different directions. So we're always trying to play around with this. Like I said, we have other sequences and those are kind of dependent on what they signed up for. If they are already on our list for this one ebook, maybe they down the road sign up for a different ebook and that might put them into a different sequence. Maybe they purchase a digital product and that might push them into a different sequence. Again, this isn't necessary by any means. If they finish the sequence, that's great. That's fine. They might only hear from you once a week at that point from those manually sent out emails. And that's okay. I do think that you should continue if you can to build that welcome sequence out. If you do have something like ConvertKit, what we do to kind of offset the fact of people being, I guess you could say, released from the welcome sequence, we just have a published email at the end that like 
is technically scheduled to go out like a million days after the last email. This is so silly that we have to do this, but it's kind of just the one weird thing about ConvertKit. (laughs) So we publish it and it's going to go out basically in a day that isn't going to ever happen. And we do that so that we can put emails in above that one so that they're not pushed out of the sequence. Because once they finish the sequence, you can't get them back in it. So that's something we kind of do just like a little tech background thing to make sure that if we do add emails at the end underneath that last one that they're actually going to get, that they are then going to get the next one that we add to it. But it isn't necessary. If they finish the sequence, don't freak out. Just continue sending them your weekly content. And then when you have like a promo or a relaunch, there might be that week or whatever it is that they're getting four emails from you because you're manually sending those out for something that you're promoting or whatever it might be. So we can create new sequences based on individual interests. That is something to consider. Or we could just see how they do with getting our weekly emails. But that's kind of something I feel like for me, I will just need to feel out and see how it goes. I don't think I could really make a plan for that at this point. So it's Yeah. And I don't think you need to. And that's another thing. I think that makes people just, oh my gosh, it's so much to think about. I can't even start. It's just like, start with the basics, get the lead magnet there, start with a few emails and then work from there. Don't let this whole like, oh my gosh, I need six months worth of emails. That's what Sarah said (laughs) to do. That's what's going to work. No, 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 no. It can be so simple. And I say this all the time to my coaching clients. You can have a lead magnet up with your email system provider and three emails in your welcome sequence by the end of the week. If it's halfway through the week, you can do it by the end of the week. I guarantee it. We are so halted by the tech, Mm. by the marketing strategy behind it. All of those things where we're like, I don't even know where to begin, so I'm just not going to. This is not a part of your business strategy that you want to be putting off. I promise you, just like you're not putting off posting on Instagram and posting on Facebook and posting on your blog, do not put off adding that lead magnet to your site, figuring out the basic tech. These email system providers, they know that a lot of us have no idea what we're doing. They have a lot of systems in place, documentation available for free to quickly teach you how to get things up and running. Do a few quick Google searches. I always say that online marketers and bloggers, we are the most resourceful people ever. We can Google and find out anything. You've done it thus far. Don't let the idea of this being so complicated and scary stop you from doing something that will make you money, will make you more profitable, and will make this a more sustainable business model for you going forward. I always just like to think of it like this. When there's a process or something that I'm not familiar with that I know I need to do, I just get started. Like I do the one thing that I know I need to do that I know how to do. I know how to write a post. So write the post and then think, what's the next step? Okay, I need to figure out how to get the, you know, like just take it one step at a time. And if you come across a hurdle, Google it. Like Sarah said, you can Google anything and find an answer to anything. And food bloggers, influencers are pros at doing this. We are the best at taking something that we don't know how to do and just figuring it out. So and just figuring it out. That's what they always say is, how do you eat an elephant? One bite yes, at a time. Amen. So yeah, I mean, we know how to do this really well. And email marketing is no exception. And I have to repeat the line you just said, because I got goosebumps a little bit when you said it. This is not part of your business strategy that you want to put off. I love it. Yeah. And it's the absolute truth. And I talk to people about this constantly. And they're just like, I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. It's like, Okay, then take a break. Maybe take one week. I know, God forbid, take one week off from posting a new recipe on your site. Yeah. Focus on this. 
do not put it off. I promise you this isn't just me and 10 other bloggers that are like, it works. Email lists are really great. No, (laughs) email list marketing is the most important facet of marketing. We talked about this on our first call, Megan, when we were like, hey, if you go into Old Navy or Victoria's Secret or whatever our example was, they're not saying like, hey, follow us on Instagram. They're saying, hey, do you want 20% off? Sign up for our email list. Because they know the power of email marketing. And us as bloggers, I feel like we just kind of forget, yet our entire business is online. If we have the ability to offset algorithms, Hmm. what are we waiting for? And once you learn it, you're going to be like, this is as easy as when I learned WordPress. And we all know WordPress is so complicated. It just takes those first few maybe days or weeks just being like, oh, this tech is kind of a headache. But once you learn it, you know it, and then you can do all of the things with it. Yeah, you just got to dive in, people. I mean, I'm talking to myself here, too, because I confessed earlier that I have not done this, but it's just one of those things. Like, we all know those projects where we just, we know we need to do them, but we're afraid for whatever reason, and we keep making excuses. And we have Sarah here to tell us that we need to just do it, and it will pay off. Yes. And it will. And honestly, if you're feeling like maybe I just purely don't have time, maybe you have a full time job and your blog is still your side thing and you're really, really wanting to make it your sole focus. If you can afford it, there are people that will help you for like mm. relatively reasonable yeah. rates. If you need to just do a search for convert kit expert or someone, if you're trying to figure things out on MailChimp or active campaign, whatever it is, if you have a hundred some dollars to put into it, it might just be easier for you. I do that all the time. I have to weigh it. Like, is it worth me learning this one thing? like the teach Amanda fish saying it might be more worth it for me to learn down the road. But sometimes it's just like, I don't even have like Mm. brain power or the time ability to do it right now. If you really, really are halted by it, find someone that can do it for you. Give them the copywritten content or find a copywriter. If you need to, there are people that are willing to help you that are experts out there. So again, there's really, really Mm, no room for excuses here. You have to do it and you have to do it. Yes. I like that you mentioned that too, that there is always help. There's always someone willing and able to help you. So that's always an option. And I I have one more question before I let you go. I know we are running like way over. I'm sorry, Sarah. Um, But my last question for you is obviously a welcome series is meant for newer subscribers. What about subscribers who have been around for ages like mine, thousands and thousands, and don't necessarily need a welcome, but they maybe just need a reminder about what we have to offer? Would we create a different series for them or what do you recommend? Yeah, I would do a re-engagement campaign is usually what that's called. So that'll get people kind of re-warmed up to your list. It might even, you know, mean emailing them and they're like, I didn't realize I was here and they're going to unsubscribe. It's just kind of the nature of the thing. If they haven't heard from you in a while, they're probably going to unsubscribe, but they might not depending on what content you're going to give out. But I would keep this separate. I would make sure that the welcome sequence is purely for those new subscribers. The ones that are already hanging out on your list, you can look this up, do a quick Google search for re-engagement campaign templates, and they'll kind of give you some language that you can use to be like, hey, you know, I'm still here. This is what we've been up to or whatever it might be. And then rewarm those people up to your list. And if you want to, then you could create a sequence of some sort to then continue to nurture them down the road or then add them into the nurture sequence at that point. But I do think that it's important to re-engage those people separately so that you're not just all of a sudden they're getting an email two years after they've been on your list. Like, hey, welcome to my (laughs) blog. And they're like, I've been here for a long time. You know what I mean? So you just kind of have to do that a little bit differently. But yes, you can absolutely add them into that nurture sequence after you've done some sort of re-engagement with them to kind of re-warm them up. That's great advice. I will 
definitely look into doing that as well because I have lots of people hanging out. I'm sure they've been like, where is she? What is she doing? (laughs) Yes, they're waiting to hear from you. They love it. And that's the thing is, again, I know I'm a broken record, but people love to hear from us. They are probably inundated with so many emails throughout the day from things they don't want to hear from. Be the one person that they want to hear from. Look to the people that you're excited to hear from in your inbox, on Facebook, on Instagram, whoever it might be. Try to mirror those things. Try to use a content strategy that makes people excited that you're constantly solving their problems and just being there for them and being a name in their inbox that they recognize, that they care about, and that they're going to click through and give you those affiliate money and ads and all things of that nature. Okay. That was great, Sarah. Seriously, thank you so much. I'm so happy to talk about I, it. You know this is my favorite thing. We'll have to find another <laughs> subtopic to discuss even further another time. <laughs> oh, absolutely. But for now, I should let you get back to your cute dog and your cute little baby belly. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again for just taking the time to chat with me again on this topic of email lists and specifically today, creating a nurture sequence. I am super grateful for your time and I know that you're adding a ton of value to Food Bloggers Live. So thank you again. Thank you so much. And before you go, do you have a favorite quote or any words of inspiration to share with our fellow food bloggers? I do. I really, really love this quote. It's from Jessica Heron, who is the founder and CEO of Stella and Dot. I don't know if you've ever heard of them before. Yeah, jewelry company. I love this quote. Okay, so it goes, you have to see failure as the beginning and the middle but never entertain it as an end. Oh, I love that. I love that too. You know, we have to kind of like live in the failure in the moment, but we have to know and work out a way to make sure that it's not going to be the final point. It's not our final destination. We can always get out of it. So good and not always easy, but very good once you can wrap your head around that and embrace it. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Sarah has a list of favorite resources relating to creating a nurturing welcome series. And those can be found on her show notes page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash Sarah Nelson. No H. Sarah, tell my listeners the best place to find you online. Yep. You can find me um, on my site, realbalanced.com. Otherwise, Real Balanced on Instagram, Real Balanced blog on Facebook. As you guys all have heard and have realized, I love email. So you can always email me as well. I have a contact form right on my site. So if you need to get in touch that way. Otherwise, a really good direct way to get in touch and learn more about blogging for business is my free Facebook group. It's just you can go to realbalanced.com slash F. Awesome. Well, thank you for listening today, food bloggers, and I will see you next time. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.